0: Hey folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Embellish Podcast, a podcast focused on product stories, product storytellers, interesting brand ambassadors, and any other tangent that I happen to come up with. Whether you're a bourbon fan, a geek, a casual observer, or someone just floating through this channel, you're sure to waste a few minutes listening to what I have to say, and I hope you find it interesting. If you got here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. I can be found on any podcasting platform that exists. And if you can't find me on a pod, on a platform of some type, send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com and I'll get that taken care of. Also generally live stream these episodes on YouTube on Wednesday nights when I can around 930. Um, you can find all of my links on Instagram at embellishpod or Twitter with the same handle, maybe even TikTok. I have a website, at www.embellishpod.com and that is also a place to pick up these links, episode details, and even some one-off tasting notes. Today, we're going to be talking about stout, stout beer, stout uh, finished whiskey, stout finished single malt, whatever. Um, Stouts are the go-to beer that I usually have whenever I'm out and not drinking whiskey. Um, But Before we get into that, we'll do a little pre-show news conversation, whatever we want to call it. A couple things that I have, Um, I'm a little late getting started tonight, we'll start with this is Friday. Friday at eight thirty, as opposed to Wednesday at nine thirty. Uh, I was in Louisville all weekend, all week for work, and didn't get an opportunity to stream. Didn't get an opportunity to record this ahead of time. Didn't get an opportunity to do all the things that I wanted to. Beyond that, as soon as I got back, plugged the computer in. Wants to do a Windows update on, or not? Sorry, do a Mac update on Microsoft Word, which is where I save all the notes. So I wasn't able to get a hold of that. So. All of the things, all of the things happen at once. So I was trying to hustle. So I'm a few minutes late. Um, obviously, nobody's joining me, so it's not a huge ordeal. But you know, I try to stay on time as much as possible. This week, some interesting news, some things that that are fun. One of those being the uh, whiskey drop hit. So Maker's Mark does their whiskey drop series, uh, which is you know new and unique. Offerings from them. They've been working on the DNA series, uh, which is testing out different entry proofs. They traditionally go in at 110 proof, but they tested out 110, 115, 120, 125. The last whiskey drop that they put out had the 110 and 115 offerings, and this one had the 120 and 125. They were waiting on me when I walked in. Actually, I had a host of goodies. I had t shirts from Eric at the Whiskey Mutant, which is great. You know, they'll they'll get. Pretty heavy rotation for me. Um, had some bottles from Maker's Mark waiting on me, the 120 and 125, which I cannot wait to put up against the 110 and 115 and see how those uh, sort of pan out. I know I've already done a couple of episodes around Maker's Mark, so I probably won't do another uh, Maker's Mark episode, but it's it's sort of tempting. It's sort of tempting to do so. Um, we're going to look at our... Uh, yeah. I've got a noise gate on my microphone, and sometimes it wants to clip out on voice. Um, Beyond that, uh, a tangential to the whiskey drop that hit, one of the biggest complaints that most people have had around the whiskey drop specifically is that it has a limited availability. It is Kentucky and D.C. only. As much light as possible. What I did notice on the Whiskey Drop page this week is they're talking about how do taxes work for the Whiskey Drop by Maker's Mark. And usually that only has in there the, the tax concerns for Kentucky and Washington, D.C. But I did see that they have an addition of Nebraska and North Dakota. So maybe that's encouraging that they're expanding out the offering to other um, other states. So if you are in Nebraska or if you are in North Dakota, you have an opportunity potentially to get into the the Whiskey Drop I'm not sure if they're sending out an email to add people in, how that's going. There's a few other offerings that are coming up from them this year that are going to be, I think, super interesting and something that uh, especially whiskey geeks and whiskey nerds will be into. Um, While I was in Louisville, I did not do anything directly related to um, distilleries. I swung by Old Forster just to see if they had anything sticking out on the shelf this morning uh, when they opened up at 10.00. Didn't have anything, but I picked up a small tasting glass. You know, I, I hate to go into anywhere and not buy anything. Um, had a good week in Louisville. Did a lot of things. Ate good food. You know, did all the, the things you're supposed to do. I got even got to see some friends there, a, a friend specifically that that lives in Louisville and visit with him while he's there. Um, I had some other news, and I can't remember what it was going to be. Um, Got a couple of uh, interviews that are coming up. That'll be fun. Got some folks scheduled to to come on and join me. Uh, Different industry people, different social media people, whatever. Um, Have some fun conversations with some folks coming up. Um, Last week's news was the release of the Green River Whiskey, which was, um, I believe it came out uh, after I did my last episode. So I did not get an opportunity to talk about it, but I've already seen some pretty good reviews on it. And my local store, I stopped in today, and they said they should have some next week. Did see some while I was out, but you know I try to throw as few as many dollars as I can at my local store, Um, and so they're going to have some. But when we get into it for tonight's episode, um, we're going to talk about stout stuff. If you are anything like me, uh, (laughs) I absolutely love black coffee. Uh, I want something that is. dark and bitter. I want black coffee or unsweet tea or dark beer. Uh, Maybe I'm just trying to drink something that is as dark and and bitter as my sense of humor is, but I find that the bitter and thicker notes tend to be more appealing to me. If I want to have more than one of anything, obviously, stout's probably not the choice, but stout and whiskey seem to go together super well. I want something that is like a hybrid beer slash milkshake. I'm looking at a stout. While I was in Louisville this week, got an opportunity to go by um, Gravely. We were actually eating in Nulu, just down the um, just down the street from Prohibition Spirits, which does Nulu. We had a dinner. We were going to try to sit down and eat, and we got there, and they said, "Hey, it's going to be like 45 minutes before you can get in." And so uh, one of the guys that was with us was like, "Hey, let's run down to Gravely and just have a beer and an appetizer while we're waiting for a table." We get down there, and obviously, you know, the first thing I say, hey, you know, what's the darkest thing that you've got in here? And they had a, um, I think a Russian Imperial stout or whatever. Uh, we ordered it, and almost as soon as that beer hit the table, we get the message, like, hey, your table's ready over here at this other restaurant. So, um, I chugged it as quick as possible, and that is not the right thing to do with the stout ever. Um, but the thing to me that is appealing about stout beers are, um, most beers are too light to stand up to whiskey, I think um and it was the thing that sort of interest me in, interested me about the the Thomas Moore series where they did the uh Chardonnay cask you know usually a lighter flavored beverage does not stand up well to the to the thickness to the sweetness to the strong flavors and the high proof that come out of whiskey, but stout is one of those things um that stands up to it. And so stout can and does benefit from aging in whiskey barrels. And then whiskey does can and does benefit from aging in stout barrels. And then, you know, you can have this sort of relationship that exists between all of them. Um, and for me, what comes out the other side of this, this particular relationship is something that is full of darker components full of thicker components than, than you might actually get from some of the fruitier flavors of bourbon. And so tonight, what I'm actually planning on drinking, and we're going to start the discussion around um, stout and whiskey, is um, a, a very connected relationship between a whiskey distiller and a stout producer, and it's the Bellmead Craftsman Cask Bell, Black Bell. Uh, and we've talked about Bellmead. I've talked about Bellmead before, specifically with their honey cask. And this is the almost the exact same type of a relationship that exists. Um, it's just really good. And what they have here, um, Bellmead does a Craftsman Cask series. A Craftsman's Cask is always going to be something unique. They're going to do their honey, they're going to do their. Black Bell, sometimes it's a Spanish brandy, sometimes it's a move however you say that, it's a French red wine. They can do all kinds of super interesting I think they did tequila, a tequila finished or a tequila cask finished uh bourbon, a whole host of stuff. But when they began um looking into doing a stout finished bourbon, you know, they're picking up all of their bourbon from a third party distiller, it's usually gonna be MGP, and they're looking for a unique way to finish it. And so they started poking around and was like, hey, you know, where, where do we find a place? Who should we partner with? Who should we partner with to get good quality, um, stout finished barrels for this? And so they started poking around and trying to find what distillery or what brewery they should use. Um, and so they landed on Blackstone Brewing. Blackstone Brewing has been in Nashville for quite some time. Um, they, they take their bourbon, their Belmede bourbon. Um, pull it out of a barrel. They pass the barrel over to the Blackstone Brewing Company, and the Blackstone Brewing Company then puts their um, stout into the barrel and ages it for, um, I don't know, a year maybe, some, something along that lines, and then empties out. They sell their 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 stout and then pass the barrels back to uh, Bellmead. So Bellmead is not getting just a uh, Russian Imperial Stout or an Imperial Stout that's um, been aged in a just a barrel that they bought from somewhere. They're getting it aged in their own barrel and then get it getting it passed back to them. And so I think actually, if I go back, this Stout is aged uh, for seven months. So it's 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 put in the barrel for seven months. It has cacao nibs in it, um, a whole host of stuff, you know. And, and Blackstone has been, like I said, it's been around for a while. And and what. The craft brewing scene in Nashville hasn't always been super strong, and today it's not necessarily what you would consider super strong if you think of uh, west coast uh, or major metropolis- major metropolitan areas um craft brewing scenes they're they're not quite at that level but when uh, when this particular brewery decided to start up, they picked up a piece of of land that ended up being um the same location as a historical brewery in the area. Um, but Blackstone has been around for a while. They've been brewing craft bill, I think since craft beer, since the mid nineties. Um, and you've seen since the mid nineties to now, you know, uh, craft brewing was picking up steam in the late nineties and it, and it grew to something pretty significant in Nashville sort of mirrored that they had, um, craft brewers popping up and then disappearing and popping up and disappearing. But Blackstone has sort of stuck around uh, for quite a while. They, you know, they began brewing a long time ago, but they uh, built their new facility in around 2011. Um, And that's, that's where you, you, you start finding, you know, these, these relationships where they're trying to, to source things locally together with partners in your own community and that's the type of relationships that co- the cooperative relationships that need to exist we see that happen within the the bourbon uh, marketplace with other distillers where they're cooperating they're collaborating we've got the collaborative series that they just you know that bargetown tourism pushed out um, you've got people that are sharing barrels whenever distilleries have problems you've got people that are helping solve each other's problems um you know and doing unique things whether it be within craft or within uh, industrial production levels of distilling. Um, and so, you know, they didn't just kind of pick somebody up out of the out of the middle of nowhere. So the Bell Mead is, you know, sort of, it's one of those exclusive bottles that's tough to get. You just happen to either be a part of their craftsman, uh, I can't remember what the name of their um, customer group is. I'm not a part of it. But I happened to stop in one day and they had a bottle of the Black Bell stip- sitting in the the distillery there in Nashville. Picked it up and it's, you know, it's super fantastic. It does pick up those extra darker notes and you know I'm, i have it sitting here on my desk and it, it has a distinctly darker color than what you would normally see coming out of um, any nine or ten year bourbon um at that is at you know 100 and 115 proof they're usually not this quite this dark it picks up a lot of flavor but stout, stout like i said it's one of those flavors that just sticks up you get the some of the fruity notes that come from an mgp type uh brand maybe your dark cherry or whatever but then you add in those richer, chocolatey notes that that come out from a stout. It's, it's, I think it's super fantastic. You can't get away with talking about stouts and bourbon without talking about Goose Island. Um, Goose Island yearly uh, puts out a series of stouts or a singular stout that has been aged in bourbon barrels. So, you know, it's a huge hit. It's usually right around the Christmas time, but. Goose Island has been around uh, since the late '90s, if I remember correctly. And they've been doing beer for for quite some time, and they're looking at a similar type of a situation where Goose Island, maybe not partnering with their friends down the road, um, they are picking up notable and notorious barrels to age their stouts in to put out for their limited series. Their limited series comes out in Christmas time, and everybody runs to the liquor store trying to get a hold of a particular bottle. And I think this year we had Blanton's and we had Elijah Craig and there was uh, maybe one more, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, And it, you know, it's, it's like a, I guess it's like, you know, adult version of Pokemon. Everybody go out and collect whatever you can. And it's a great place for whiskey lovers to also be beer lovers um, at the same time. And you have sort of a, a crossover relationship um, for the Elijah Craig barrel, which was the one that I was actually able to pick up this year, I wasn't able to find anything else, which and I wasn't hunting too hard for it but um the the local liquor store here they had some some Elijah Craig actually had two bottles of it. I was able to share one with somebody and keep one for myself um because you know they are a little bit more pricey um but they're taking barrels from Elijah Craig that are going to have twelve year old barrel proof bourbon. And then they're going to put their stout in it and let it age for a while. And so with the first one, we had a whiskey that was aged in a whiskey barrel, then aged in a stout barrel that used to be the whiskey barrel that that whiskey was aged in. Um, this is is that sort of in between where you're picking up that um, stout that has whiskey influences to it. Uh, what I will say about this particular one, I can't speak for any of the other um, varieties that came out of Goose Island this year. The Elijah Craig one is super thick and super sweet. Um, it's almost like uh, a beer whiskey chocolate milk, you know. And I that may sound disgusting, and it's actually quite good. But it was one of those things that I can't drink more than half of a bottle or three quarters of a bottle at a time, just because of how how sweet it actually becomes. Um, and that may be partially because of the stout, and maybe partially because of uh, the flavor profiles that it's drawing out of the um, Elijah Craig barrels. You know, it's super, super interesting process. It's, it's something that is um, not just a, not just a bourbon person thing, not just a whiskey person or a beer, beer person thing, not just a whiskey person thing for that matter. Um, it's something that, that everybody can sort of get behind. And I think, that, you know, if we're going to talk about, you know, we've talked about bourbon and, and we've talked about stout, we've talked about bourbon and stout, um, we can't leave it just there, you know, if, you're, if we're talking about stout and whiskey. There's this whole culture that lives on the West Coast. And barrel aging whiskey and stout barrels is not just a bourbon thing. It's an American whiskey thing. And it's you know probably elsewhere, but Specifically, we're talking about American whiskey. Um, American single malts are also known for doing the exact same thing. And if we're trying to look in the stouted realm, I think that the, probably the most appropriate place to go is looking at Westward. And Westward has um, their American single malt that is aged in a stout cask. And um, they make a pretty big pretty big uh, point to discuss that they celebrate their distilling heritage through their brewing heritage. Because Oregon, or Oregon, or however you pronounce it, um, my friends over at Chill Filtered gave me a little bit of grief over the way I pronounced that the last time, but it was what somebody from the state had told me to pronounce. So we'll see whichever one it's supposed to be. If you are from the state, tell me which way it goes. Is it Oregon or Oregon um, or Oregon, you know? Ducky. But anyways, that that state has a really, really fantastic brewing tradition. That's where craft distilling, craft brewing, really was birthed. Um, you know, my dad has been home brewing beer for the last twenty years, but it really picked up from trends that were happening out on the west coast. And so, um, they're you know, their big part of their big discussion is that to make a really good whiskey, you have to start with a really good beer before you distill it. And so, um, what they are doing you know the the folks out at westward is they're taking their american single malt and finishing it in a stout cask for a year so we're we're, we're living in this sort of the same vein is that maybe a year anything after that is sort of useless as far as time maybe anything after that is overkill Uh, maybe anything under that doesn't do a ton for you but for westward specifically uh, they begin with a very intentional process to make a really good distillate, and then they're going to age it in um, new charred American uh, new charred American oak. New American oak. I can't remember specifically what their standard is right off the top of my head. And the uh, um, DTB has not set the American single malt standard yet, so it could be anything, but they focus on... Aging it, and they pull it out whenever they think that it, it is good, and then they're picking up a stout barrel and putting their whiskey in it as well. And it sort of it sort of seems like the same type of behavior for all three of these groups, but the the first offering that we have, which is Bell Mead, they're partnering with a single brewery that they're passing their whiskey barrels to to age a stout in, and then they're picking those barrels back up and aging their whiskey in it again. And then you have what Goose Island is doing is they're partnering with many different distilleries to pick up barrels and age stouts in. Um, and, you know, what happens to those barrels after the fact? I'm not really sure, but uh, Westward it has historically partnered with a lot of in-state brewers because they have access to a significant quantity of in-state, really top shelf breweries to age their um, their single malt in and pick up their stout single malt. Uh, flavoring or whatever, um, you know, and I i, I think the, the names that I came across is Bent Shovel Brewing, Breakside Brewing, Culmination Brewing, Ex Novo Brewing, and so they trust and know that their brewing uh, partners in Oregon are all top shelf enough that they don't have to say it's a single person or it's a single Um, brewery that has the availability for them, they can say, you know, who has them available to me right now, and that's what I'm going to work on, because um, that's where the the value's going to come from. And, you know, it's Bell Mead, Nelson's Green Brewer Distillery, um, Westward, uh, Goose Island, they're not all what you would consider to be, maybe maybe you might, but I wouldn't necessarily consider them to be titans within their own industry, um, to be sort of the the top of the top but there are other people that are getting in on um stout concepts so you have woodford reserve this last winter in 2021 released their five malt stouted mash and what does that mean um what they've leaned on for a long time is that in kentucky uh, fermented grain mash is traditionally called distiller's beer um their distillation process converts that beer into what would one day become whiskey. Well, you know, once it's barreled, obviously, uh, what this particular one, which is a part of their master's collection, master's collection is going to be things like the double, double oaked and the chocolate malt whisper. And, um, I think the, they did a four or five grain a couple of years ago or whatever. They do a, a bunch of different unique tests to try to, you know, do something different. Um, They're trying to take on crafting a spirit that exhibits the flavors of the classic beer style. So, we're not necessarily aging a whiskey in a stout barrel at this point. We're trying to, they are trying to create a whiskey that mirrors some of the flavor profiles that come from a stout, you know, a dark, robust. whiskey that is going to be a straight malt whiskey um they're not partnering with a a brewery to pick up barrels they're not partnering with many breweries to pick up barrels they are making a whiskey that is inspired by um stout beer in and of itself so those are i think you know and, and i haven't heard a ton of great reviews about it that's one of the bad things about that particular offering is that i've read a lot of people that are like oh this is not great um, but that's the thing about whiskey is that you may absolutely detest something that I thoroughly enjoy, and vice versa. And so, you get an opportunity to taste it, absolutely do. If you're a fan of stouted beer, if you're if you're a stout beer fan, um, all of these are great opportunities to to sort of explore different uh, variations of the concept. And so you have these, you know, four sort of different approaches. Where one of them, you know, one of them distinctly is a beer, but you have, you know, the 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 bourbon passing over to a uh, brewery partner and then the brewery partner puts their, their stout in it and then you get the barrel back and you've got somebody who just partners with anybody that's available to them because they trust in their abilities and then you've got a major player who is just trying to create a whiskey that is inspired by um, the, the stout process and, and you know the I I personally have had three of the four things that we've talked about here, and they're all good in their own rights. They all have their own unique characteristics that make them specifically good. I I, I can't complain about any of those. So uh, I've spent all of this week talking. That's what I did for all of my meetings, and so this is probably going to be a shorter episode. I also know that Matt over the ADHD Whiskey is getting ready to start his live stream, and he is significantly more entertaining and more popular than what we've got going on over here. So I encourage you, um, if you are here, which it looks like no one is, so that's expected. Um, but if you watch this on a recast, if you come back, come by this at a different time, hop over to his uh, channel and watch the recast of the live stream or any other, any other bit of his content. Um, I don't think there's anything else I need to communicate here. We've got, like I said, we've got some some interviews that are coming up. Let me go pull up my calendar. Maybe that'll help, help jog my memory of what we've got going on. You new uh, bottle pickups that are going to be coming my way. Some friends that are doing some stuff. The intent is to have Jack and Tim from Monday Night Sucks. Jack is some uh, Sommelier on Instagram. Tim is the single barrel snob on Instagram. I'm just going to have them on, have a night of just chit chatting. Um, got a, got a couple of things in the works that I can't talk about yet. And you know, I, I hate it when other podcasts do that. I'm always like, Oh yeah. What do you actually have going on? But I actually do for the first time, you know, somebody reached out to me. I was like, Hey, you want to do this thing? And, and well, we don't have a definitive schedule on it yet. Um, got uh, scheduled. I have female whiskey society joining me in a month or so. Um, hoping to have Todd Leopold on at some point in time trying to reach out to him I've got some communication in with the folks over at Penelope may have some some super fun stuff coming along but even if I don't I've got uh, other things I want to talk about you know probably next week we'll we may cover what uh, what I think you should do if you're traveling into bourbon country because I was just there and I'm gonna be back again here in a couple of weeks um, we may talk about French Oak you know as a, a as a finishing methodology for whiskey or um, Tennessee whiskey. I don't know. I've got, I've got a bunch of ideas that we're going to kind of toss around uh, and we're rapidly approaching whiskey weekend batch four, which is going to be super entertaining. Um, the only other thing that I may leave here on, on this is that you get an opportunity uh, hop over, download and listen to the folks over at chill filtered, download and listen to the folks over at Byron lens. Those guys are on steady repeat for me. Stiller's talk with Alan Bishop, the Bourbon Roundtable, uh, Bourbon Turntable—not Roundtable, Bourbon Turntable. Folks, I think that's uh, maybe I can't remember who that who produces that. But all of those are fantastic listens, I'm giving them opportunity to, to sort of expand your knowledge on this. Um, thank thank you for joining me tonight or today or whenever you happen to come back to this. I uh, hope you found what I was talking about entertaining, and if you did, please leave a review on whatever platform that you happen to be consuming this on, whether it is. Um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, YouTube, anywhere. L- leave something behind. Um, it really helps sort of get the word out uh, on what I have going on here. Uh, even if you don't like it, leave something. That's perfectly fine. Leave, leave a, a review or you know, put, give me some stars or do something. Don't care. Um, if you want, hit me up on social media, uh, on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok, uh, at EmbellishPod, and give me a follow. You can see what's going on here. Um, If you're interested in ever joining me and doing a tasting on some of the things that I've talked about in the past, I'll absolutely curry you some samples and we can walk through talking about those things. I can be found also at www.embellishpod.com. All my links, contact information, email address, all of that sort of warehouse there. Uh, I'll be back again next week with another new offering. So until then, cheers and thank you for being here.